Welcome to Bakersfield First Assembly of God's podcast. Pastor James is fired up and ready to preach. I hope you enjoy this sermon. Letter A, if we accuse God of not caring, it is evidence that we don't know God very well. Because God does care. Of all things to accuse God of, that's, that's probably one of the worst, and, I, and I've done it myself. God, don't you care? Have you ever said those, those terrible words? It's not just, and I know a lot of times we speak it out of our pain, but it's, it's an accusation against God's character, because one thing we always know, God is good, God is loving, and God is wise. And so we, we, no matter if our life is bad, God is still good. And no matter how we feel, he still loves us. And even though we're, we can't understand what we're going through, he is wise. He's not going to let something out, happen outside of his wisdom. And so Job feels that God is against him. But he doesn't realize how much God is for him. I mean, you know, Satan, you know, has this challenge going on, and God says, have you seen my servant Job? And it's like God's a proud papa, you know, have you seen my son Job, man, have you? Well, yeah, it's because you protect him. Oh, really? And so Satan is actually attacking Job, and God says, all right, we, we shall see. And so God, like a proud father, has his confidence in Job. But Job doesn't realize that because he doesn't know all that's going on. You know, we don't know the spiritual dynamics that are going on around us. Sometimes there's spiritual warfare going on and we don't even see it. There have been situations in my life where I realized this is not of this world. What I'm going through here is from another world. There's a spiritual dimension that we don't see. Yeah, I love Frank Peretti's This Present Darkness. Boy, did that open our eyes to the spirit realm. It's a, it's a book that was cutting edge 20 years ago, maybe even long, longer than that, maybe 30 years ago. But if you've never read it, this, this present darkness and piercing the darkness, it opens the whole realm of angels and demons and spiritual warfare. If you've never read that book, I encourage you to read that book. And so Job doesn't know that a wager was made in heaven, that God's counting on him. He just, all he can see is his, his suffering. And this is the danger. We don't live by, we live by faith, not by what? Sight. And our eyes can deceive us. And what we see with our natural eyes can make us make judgments about God that aren't true. And so Job views the Lord through the lens of his current quality of life. Have you ever viewed God through the lens of what you're going through? I mean, no, that could be real distorted. Instead, we should view our current situation through the character of God because God's character never changes. Our circumstances change, and so when we view God through our circumstances, it's never going to be accurate. But instead, we need to view our circumstances based on God's word and God's character. Letter B, never allow your difficult circumstances to discredit the character of God in your heart. Don't go there. You know he's good. You know he loves you. Don't, don't let the enemy lead you there, that you begin to question, does he really care? Does he really see me? And so Job is so desperate, he wants to die. He says that if God would kill him, at least he would have not denied the words of the Holy One. So far, Job has not sinned. So far, he has not sinned. And so he is, 
Sorry about that. Testing, one, two. All right, I don't know if it's my whiskers or what, so bear with me. But Job is saying, I haven't sinned yet, so why don't you just kill me (laughs) before I do sin? And it's almost as if he's saying in a way that he, he, and we're going to talk about his integrity, that he, he has more integrity than maybe even God does in his perspective, because he believes God's cursed him, but Job has not cursed God. And so Job judges the justice of God by his own sense of fairness. Remember, fairness and justice are two different things. Job believes he's being unfairly treated. And you know what? He, dis- he doesn't deserve this. But he was blameless. And so letter C, sometimes we see ourselves as more fair and more just than God. If you question the justice of God, then you're saying you know more than God does. Isn't that true? I mean, if you say, God, that's not fair, then you're, you're making a judgment of God. And we're, we, we're never going to be accurate in our own thinking that way. We've got to stand on the word and God's character. How many times have we thought, if I were God, I would have done this differently? Trust me. God always does it best. We never do it better. There's no way we could do anything better than God. But when we're in the middle of our trial and tribulation, we see no hope. All we see is our circumstances. But if we will hold on and endure, God will see us through. Remember, Job's going to get double what he lost. But what if he gave up right before the answer? You have a, a double portion, a double blessing just waiting for you if we can press through. We've got to keep pressing through because the Bible promises that we will reap a harvest if we don't, what? Give up. If we don't give up. And sometimes that harvest is in heaven, which is the best harvest because rust and moth cannot destroy it. So we saw last week, first of all, Job defends himself by challenging God. He tries to lift himself up by challenging God. Then Job takes on his so-called friends. Number two. Job defends himself by insulting his friends. Now, this is all about Job defending himself. He, you know, he's righteous, he's blameless, and so somebody's got to be the problem. So first, he, he kind of dangerously challenges God, but next, he takes on his friends. And he's only heard from one of them so far, but he obviously knew where the others would come from. So let's pick up in our passage in Job 6, 14. This is just awesome. This is like the longest insult known to man. I mean, it's one insult, like 20 verses of one insult. But here it goes. A despairing man should have the devotion of his friends, even though he forsakes the fear of the Almighty. But my brothers are as undependable as intermittent streams, as the streams that overflow, when darkened by thawing ice, swollen with melting snow, but that cease to flow in the dry season and in the heat vanish from their channels. Man, that was a long insult. Yeah, it was pretty good, pretty poetic. And he's still going. Caravans turn aside from their their roots. They go up to the wasteland and perish. The caravans of Tima look for water, and the traveling merchants of Sheba look in hope. They are distressed because they have been confident. They arrive there only to be disappointed. Now you too have proved to be of no help. You see something dreadful and are afraid. Have I ever said, give me something on my behalf? Pay a ransom for me from your wealth. 
Deliver me from the hand of the enemy. Ransom me from the clutches of the ruthless. Teach me and I will be quiet. Show me where I have been wrong. How painful are honest words. But what do your arguments prove? Do you mean to correct what I say and treat the words of a despairing man as wind? You would even cast lots for the fatherless and barter away your friend. Wow. If you ever want to insult somebody, memorize that and just let them have it, you know. Job's friends have insulted him. And so Job fires back. He and he, he says, I, I, w- I wish my friends would stand with me. Even though I have forsaken the fear of God. Job makes a kind of a, a bold confession. He, he says, I no longer fear God. Now we know that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. In other words, Job acknowledges that the things he is saying are right on the border there. Nonetheless, he would hope that his friends would still come to him and take into account his circumstances. Sometimes what people need in crisis is just someone to listen. Now, guys that are married, here we go. A lot of times what we want to do, and this has been proven scientifically, we want to fix it. That's right. You heard it. That's right. And so when your wife comes to you and tells you what's going on in her life, and then you offer a solution, you're in trouble most times. Because many times your spouse is not looking for you to fix it, but looking for you to listen and empathize and care. And so (laughs) these are all guys, so immediately Job's friends are trying to fix it. They're not not just listening to him. Hear hear the guy out. And I will tell you, in 38 years of pastoring, I have learned, especially in crisis, most people don't need to hear platitudes. You know, and we mean well. We mean well when we say certain things. But most of the time, they just need a brother or sister to listen to weep with those who weep. And sometimes that's the best thing you can do. There have been situations where I was in a circumstance where all I could do is just sit there and just weep with them. It's all I could do. There were no words. And, and we feel so much pressure to say something. Job's friends felt the same way. Well, I gotta say something. No, you don't. I mean, the crisis that Job was in, he, he lost 10, his 10 children. What, what can be said? It would make sense of that. And so we've got to resist that temptation to fix it and instead just listen. And so he thought for sure that when his friends came and were silent for seven days, that they would stand with him, not against him. This is what Job was hoping for in Ecclesiastes 4.9. Now we know Job's the oldest book written in the Bible, and so they probably didn't have this scripture Certainly not, because it's the time of Solomon. But nonetheless, it's truth. Solomon said in verse 9, Ecclesiastes 4, two are better than one because they have a good return for their work. This is what Job was looking for. If one falls down, his friend can help him up. But pity the man who falls and has no one to help him up. I want you to know this is the passion and purpose of our small groups and CR, and and all of our ministries. We don't want anybody to be alone. 
this, this Christian journey was not meant to be a solo flight. It's a journey we take together. And, and, and so Pastor Gary and Raquel are passionate about having small groups because this is what we need. Pity the man who falls down and has no one to help him. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken, and we know that third cord is the Lord. And so that's what Job was looking for. Stand with me, back to back. You know, be with me. You know, comfort me. Just be there. Defend me. But Job feels absolutely betrayed by his friends. Now, he, Job says, I never asked you guys for money. What are you afraid I'm going to ask you for money? Now, we, it's where we learn that his friends are wealthy. His friends are very rich. And so do you think maybe they are afraid he's going to ask for some money? <laughs> you think? I, it seems to be that they, they're probably like, oh, great, we got to help out this guy now. But he, may, he puts it clear very right front. I don't want your money. I'm, I never asked you for ransom. I never asked you for anything like that. He says, I just, I want compassion. I don't, I don't need your money. I just need your compassion. And so he says, you're undependable and of no help. <laughs> he says this, you would even gamble for orphans. Now that's an insult, man. <laughs> gamble for orphans and sell off your friends. These are harsh words. And Job says this, how painful are honest words. Now, we talked a little bit about this last week. We're going to get into it more tonight. How painful are honest words. Now, Proverbs 27, verse 6 says this, Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. So, which is it? Pain, honest words are painful, or faithful are the wounds of a friend? What do, you th what do you think? How can we be faithful and yet not hurtful? Any, any thoughts on this? Yes. Speaking the truth in love is difficult when you have a very tiny focus and you state obvious things rather than try to phrase them in a way that is uh, edifying instead of just cut to the quick. <laughs> and that's good to know. <laughs> and, and, and warn them. that. But, but you're exactly right. And we do have to be sensitive to their, their sensitivity. Um, and yet, there's, there's a difference between being honest and brutally honest, right? I, I've known of people who would just come up and say, oh, you got a haircut. It looks terrible. Well, first of all, I didn't ask what you thought of my haircut, but some people just can't help it, you know? They just, they got to say it, you know, and, and you, really, you really don't have to say it. And it may be honest, you know, but I mean, no, you don't always have to be critical. Some, some people feel like I have to say it. No, you don't. 
especially something like that. And so, which were Job's friends doing? What, what were they doing here? Yeah, they were, the kisses of an enemy are profuse. Yes, they were not being faithful. And, and I do believe God calls upon friends at times to wound. And, and that is by speaking the truth in love, which we're going to get to in a little bit later. But I, the, the whole point of that proverb is, do you, would you rather people tell you what you want to hear or people tell you what you need to hear? And there's sometimes a big difference. I've had friends that have spoken into my life, and it stung. But I knew they loved me, and I knew, I, I, you know, chew the meat, spit out the bones, got to, okay, Lord, what is this constructive criticism or destructive criticism? Because sometimes we can speak honestly, but speak wrongly. Ronnie. Both Rons. This Ronnie and then this Ron. Okay, we'll go to the other Ron. I, I think you're right, and I, I, it is, and I think it's not what we say, it's how we say it often. You know, it's, it's, it's uh, we don't, and one thing I, when I was uh, working in the, in the oil patch, in the oil business, I learned very quickly, you don't send long, flowery emails to your boss. Just get to the point. Three bullet points and you're out. But I've been a pastor for 30 years, so I'm used to writing these flowery, you know, emails that meander all over, and finally at the end you get the truth, and it's all cushioned and soft and sweet and syrupy. I did that once to my boss, and he just let me have it. And he said, the next, if you send an email like that again, I will not read it. I don't have time to read three pages of flowery language. Get to the point. And so for three years... I sent emails to the point. I mean, I learned. I came back to pastoring, and I was offending people because I'm, now I'm getting to the point, you know. And so I, I had to re- totally reprogram myself again. Oh, okay, this has got to be a three-page email, nice and soft and flowery. Ronnie, you remember? True. Yeah, you're right. And, and they aren't aware that the devil made a wager, you know, and, and these friends are pawns of the devil. Satan is using these guys to get to Job. He used his wife. He used these guys. And, and you are so right, Ronnie. We are so quick to judge. We have no idea what's going on. Uh, I, I remember a story. I, I believe it was true, but uh, there was a, this was back in the 1800s. There was a man with a baby that was just screaming the whole time. Reminds me of my plane flight uh, to, the, to North Africa. But the baby was screaming the whole time, and people were getting agitated in the train. And finally, a, a man came up, and you need to silence that child right now. It's keeping everybody up. Where is that child's mother? And the father said, she's in the casket in the back train. She passed away. And you could have heard a pin drop. 
And the man said, here, let me have that baby. And he cared for the baby the rest of the night. But we don't know what's going on. So yes. Perhaps the words that you speak to the person that needs the answer, you could prepare your answer before you Yes. I think I was thinking about that today. I ought to write out the steps of how to confront. First of all, pray. You got to, pre- don't confront somebody without talking to God first. And, and you got to get that peace and that release before you do it. And consider the circumstances they're in, their sensitivity. Consider the timing, not just what you say, but how you say it. I do think, you know, I would rather have the wounds of a friend if it was genuinely loving and comp- it was for my good than the kisses of an enemy. Yes. Exactly. We're, we're so tempted to add our two cents. Add to God's commentary. You know, God says this, and, and what God meant was, uh, but you're, you're right, we have to not necessarily be so blunt, but just be careful, you know, that I'm only speaking what God wants to be said here, because we can do unnecessary damage. Faithful of the wounds of a friend, if that friend is do- doing it in love and in the right way. And that is the possibility. I have lost friends for talking to them. I have found in many, and most times in ministry, when you confront somebody that is in the wrong, they don't like it. <laughs> None of us do, do we? We don't like to be told we're wrong. I don't like it. So our, our first initial reaction, I know mine has been at times, to bow up. I learned that term when I was in Texas. You bow up. And, and that's our first reaction to a, and, and until we just say, okay, let's get, let's just re- calm down and say, is there truth here? Because I'm telling you what, if God is trying to speak to you, you want to hear it. And so, and I, I, pastor I work for used to say it all the time, chew the meat, spit out the bones, because sometimes people will add their two cents. But we, we're asking God to talk to us. And sometimes he does through the wounds of a friend. Somebody, yes? It's been my personal experience that even the, the honest rebuke or correction of a friend might sting for a day or maybe even a little bit longer. But if I really take it into account and pay attention to what was said, what was it about, that True. Maybe, maybe even a worse situation if Job was believing what they were saying rather than taking the honesty. That is an excellent point. What if Job did agree with his friends? In the end, God rebukes his friends and says, you have not spoken right of me as my servant Job. So that's an excellent point that Job, it was good for Job to, to stand up for some things. Because what they're saying is wrong. And so, and, and there are times people will speak into your life and they're, and they're not from the Lord and, and it is wrong. 
I, I can remember two circumstances when I was a young minister where I had uh, people speak into my life and it stung. But as I, as I worked through it, I realized they were right. And I went and told them that. I said, you know, that hurt, but I believe you're right and I give you permission to speak into my life gently <laughs> from now on. And, and so they were life-changing cha- uh, times I was, I really changed my course and how I did ministry. So God's, God loves us enough to try to help us. You know, we're asking him to guide us, and this is what he's trying to do. Any other thoughts on that? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. No, that's the other thing I think I think we have to consider mm. because you know it's like finding out, you know, your friends that's one sibling that you're gonna have. You don't go to your friend and go, Do you know that you're gonna because then you are the attacker, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yes, and, and it's, it's a good point. And, and the Bible has given us instruction in Matthew 18. If your brother sins, go to him in private. If he fails to repent, take two or three, because every matter is to be established in, with two or three witnesses. If he still refuses to repent, then bring him before the church or the leadership of the church. So we, there is a process. We go, we go privately to the person who sinned. And if they repent, it's resolved. And the healing's done and repentance takes place. If not, there's, there are extra steps the Lord gives us to, uh, to do that. Um, but I found what a lot of people will do is skip a couple of those steps and go right to the pastor. <laughs> they want him to be the heavy, you know, and bring down the wood. Uh, but you, you got to take these steps because the Bible's already mapped them out for us. But again, you know, if you feel the Lord prompting you to speak the truth and love to someone... We definitely have to pray and prepare our hearts and prepare for it not to be received because it's very possible too. And so, and we can get it wrong. And if we do, we just need to repent of it. Yes. Yeah. It's there in our tongue. You don't have to spill out everything that you're thinking instantly. You can soften it. You can roll the edges off. True. You can say what's on your heart without being so caustic or coarse. Yeah. And if it's if it's not motivated by love, then it's then don't say it. Because there's some there it's got to be motivated by love for their good. Not just for ours. Yes. Well, there's a checklist in the Bible for how to present things to people. I mean, it's called the fruits of the Spirit. 
true. If it marks off everything there, you're probably good. Yeah, and because that's that's going to set the boundaries for us. Patience, kindness, goodness, all of those things. Excellent point. Any other thoughts on on that? Yes. <laughs> Good point. Yeah. Yes. And that's probably the most insensitive thing we can say if we say, I know how you feel, and we really don't. If we haven't experienced it, you can't say, I know how you feel. That's an excellent point. Well, let's continue on. Good stuff. I love your teaching me. I love it. So letter A, just because you say something honest does not mean it was the right thing to say. Right back to the haircut. And I, have you ever heard somebody say, well, I was just being honest. Like that justifies it. It does not. Being honest does not justify hurting someone. You has to have the, the, the cushion of the fruit of the Spirit, especially love. That is what sets the boundaries on it. And God wants us to build each other up, not tear each other down. This is so important. And again, as you mentioned earlier, letter B, we are to speak the truth, but speak it in love. Love guides how, what we say and how we say it. I had a friend that used to say, love me or hate me, I'm going to tell you the truth. Now, there's, there's a measure of wisdom in that, but also there's a, a word of caution. Uh, because it, it should be, love me or hate me, I'm going to tell you the truth in love. <laughs> that is the key. Is this in love? And like somebody mentioned, I think it was Ron, tough love is, is required of us at times. Um, letter C, criticism is rooted in our opinion. Truthfulness is rooted in God's word. And we've got to distinguish, is this my opinion? Or how about this? Is this my conf- conviction, but not, you know, clear in the scripture commandment. There's a difference between a commandment and a conviction. The Bible says that, especially in Romans chapter 12, 13, and 14, some Christians had a conviction against eating meat offered to idols. And some Christians didn't. Paul said, just stick with your convictions. Don't don't force your convictions on someone else. and, 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 And it's fine to keep your conviction, but don't judge someone else because of their convictions. So there are some things that are clear as, as the Scripture's Ten Commandments. But there are areas of conviction where people are at different levels of spiritual maturity. And sometimes we have to let them grow. And because when the Holy Spirit convicts us, it sticks. But when somebody else pointed out my conviction, it may not stick. I may be able to reject it just because it came from someone else. And so there, there are times to speak the truth in love, and then there are times to shut up and let the Holy Spirit convict. And you just pray, Lord, convict them. And that just comes with wisdom. And so honesty should seek to build up and not tear down. Was it right for Job to insult his friends, to come back at them? What do you think? Yes. Okay, very good. Yes. 
he prayed for them or God was going to really do something against them. But, but you're right. You know, I mean, there, there are times that I'm criticized that I want to set the record straight because I'm afraid somebody might believe the criticism, you know, and that's not fair. And so sometimes we're put in that position, well, we're going to defend ourselves by firing right back. Oh, yeah, well, this is, you know, you'd sell orphans, you know, <laughs> take that, <laughs> you know, and, and, and yet we all have that desire to defend ourselves for the truth. I mean, especially if we're attacked and it's not true. How do we deal with that if we're attacked and it's not true? Yes. Yeah. About to die, and if somebody was ripping on you that bad, you might want to defend yourself. I might, yeah. <laughs> I can imagine I would, and I'm nowhere near as good as Job. Yes. Yes. Very good. And I, and I think the key is this. We may be able to defend ourselves if we're speaking the truth in love and not fighting fire with fire. If they've insulted us, we should not insult them. But we may need to speak up. Because you're right. It is wrong for someone to silence someone or speak wrongly against them. The best thing is when let another man praise you if, if others will come to your defense. That's one of the best things. The, the best thing of all is when God comes to your defense. But I think the key here is that there, there may be times to set the record straight. It, again, if we can speak the truth in love. But it is not a time to match their sin. If they've insulted us, if they've slandered us, if they've gossiped about us, we should not do the same. And there are times when God will say, speak up, and the other times, shut up. So let's look at this. Do, do we have the right to defend ourselves? Look at 1 Peter 2.21. To this you were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. He committed no sin and no deceit was found in his mouth. When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to the one who judges justly. There will be times where you can speak up for yourself. Nothing wrong with that. As long as you're not crossing that line into sin, insulting. Jesus could have called 10,000 angels, 12 legions of angels, and wiped them out. I often wondered when I was younger, when Jesus was on the cross and they were mocking him, why couldn't he just come down for a few seconds and wipe him out like, you know, you see in the Raiders of the Lost Ark, you know, everybody's faces melt and, and then, you know, 
just for a few seconds and then go back on the cross. You know? <laughs> yeah. That's, that's why God doesn't let me do much. But anyway, that's why I'm not God. But even Jesus, who, who was sinless, did not retaliate. And I think that's the key word, insult, retaliate. Yes. But instead, don't we hear later that instead you turn a kind word and you end up heaping coals right. on their head? Vengeance is mine, says, saith the Lord. It's an excellent point because in our, in our defense of ourselves, it's just going to make them bow up as well. And, and a calm answer turns away wrath. And, and so there, I do believe there is a time where we are to speak up for ourselves, are to stand up for ourselves, and especially we are to stand up for those that are innocent. We, we need to be those people that will defend others. But in our defense of ourselves or others, we can't cross the line into sinful insults. Jay. True. And that's when you when you exact distinction, that's when you become attacked. And it's funny what you said, but I think there's there's only distinction here, period. Yes. And and that is a, a real key practice in marriage. So because a lot of times we're on, you know, men are from Mars and women's from Venus, whatever it may be. We're on different planets. And so a lot of times what, what we have to say to your spouse, this is what I hear you saying. Am I right? And you may not be right until, until they explain it, until you can say it back to them. Is this what you meant? Is this what you were trying to say? Because that will actually bring clarity and, salt and, and not pour fuel on the fire. When we come back and say, okay, you know, and, and speak honestly, I feel like I'm under attack right now. And I feel like I need to defend myself. And so is this what you're saying? Is this what you're doing? And I don't believe anybody should, should endure any kind of abuse in a relationship or in marriage or anything like that. I do not believe the Bible, 1 Corinthians 13 says, love does not rejoice in evil. And it wouldn't be right to let someone abuse you. It's not right for them. It's not right for you. And so I do think there are limits. Yeah, there are times we're going to have to turn the other cheek. Thank God we've only got two cheeks. Uh, but the principle is, is, is sound in that, you know, we, we, we need to stand for what's right. Not so much for ourselves, but for truth. It's not right for someone to do this. I'm standing up for what is right. Not so much standing up for myself. Job is standing up for himself. He is defending himself. And so we need the wisdom of the Lord. So many times in the book of Psalms, it says, vindicate me, O Lord. Vindicate me, O Lord. I've prayed that prayer. Vindicate me, O Lord, because I can't vindicate myself. And that's when we have to trust God 
Back to Romans, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. I will repay. Instead, he burning coals on their head. Yes, that, which sounds really good. <laughs> yes. Yes. Perfect. God will always do it justly. It may not seem fairly to us because that's a human construct, but divinely it's, it's justice. And God will always do it right. We won't. Yes. Amen. Yes. Yes. And so <laughs> haven't we all learned some things about ourselves? What came out of our mouth is like, whoa, I didn't realize that was in my heart. But eventually it will come out. Excellent, excellent discussion. Let's pray. Father, show us that balance of speaking the truth in love. And Lord, when we're put on the defensive, Lord, Give us the wisdom to know whether we're to, to defend what's right or to let it go and let God defend ourselves. Father, we just we want to do your will. And Jesus, you were insulted, but you didn't insult back. And so, Lord, I pray that even when we're criticized, Lord, unjustly, we wouldn't fight fire with fire. We wouldn't come back and, and criticize unjustly either. Show us how to walk this this truth and love together. Lord, help us be friends that are willing to wound in love because faithful are the wounds of a friend. And so, Lord, I just pray you'd give us friends like that. In Jesus' name, amen. You've been listening to Bakersfield First Assembly's weekly broadcast. BFA is located on the corner of California and Marilla Way. We meet every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. in person and online on Facebook and YouTube. For more information, check out our website, bakersfieldfirst.com, or download our app from the App Store.